Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. My name is Patrick. You can follow me on Letterboxd under Long Monkey. And my co-host here is Eric. Don't follow him anywhere. <laughs> yeah, please don't. I'm yeah, usually you... the one doing the following. <laughs> uh, so how, how have you been, Eric? I know last uh, episode you didn't get a chance to watch many of the movies that you were planning on watching. Yes, uh, but I am back to full health. So help us God, I guess. <laughs> right. And right. I was able to get to the movies and do like basically lead my normal life. So it's been it's been really nice. Awesome. So what did you end up? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you didn't die. What what did you actually end up watching, though? Good stuff. Uh, I feel like we're going to be talking about propaganda a lot tonight. Okay. So I actually saw the son of a propaganda film in Top Gun Maverick. Yes. I also saw Top Gun Maverick. I was hoping you got a chance to see it. I did. I did. I didn't get to see it. I was really disappointed because I felt like this was that kind of spectacle movie that should have been seen in like the equivalent of the IMAX thing that we have here. And unfortunately, I just couldn't make any of those times work because Uh those theaters were still basically sold out in Michigan, I guess, for whatever reason. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I had to settle for the regular picture, but I I enjoyed it. It wasn't I I think I'd heard reviews that are like it's the best nostalgia grab kind of movie ever, and I was like it was pretty good. I thought it did an okay job of towing the line between like there were times where it was really on the nose and very pandery like look at my fan service, huh? Winking right, right. almost yeah. Uh, but then there there were times where it was like really well done, even though it was like an homage or love letter. Um, but I still thought it was like clearly kind of a forced sequel that we didn't need. And I thought it could have been really good with some of the drama that was in there. But just kind of like I it didn't feel like there was a lot of depth to it, even though there could have been, if that makes sense. Um, a little bit. I, I have to say I'm surprised because I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I did enjoy it. I don't <laughs> want it to sound like it was bad, but it right. was like there were times for me when it was too on the nose and it's like, we get it. Okay. Yeah. There were definitely those times like the, like the, uh, the scene in the bar with the singing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like that was definitely on the nose and the whole intro where it's like, Am I watching the new movie or the old movie? <laughs> they found the same exact uh, typeface for all yep. the credits. I think yep. the shots were virtually the same. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But I, I like how it's it started with that. With uh, what's the director's name? Joseph Kaczynski doing his best um, uh, Tony Scott impression with that intro. But then it kind of really went into like modern action movie territory but like really well-made action movie scenes i was oh yeah i agree yeah and i really made me appreciate tom cruise a lot (laughs) because because... he still looks like he's about 30 years old (laughs) not just that but like he's a producer on this movie and he like really took the time to like shepherd this movie into production and you know it took however many years to make i don't know but they brought like You know, they got real jet fighters. They got real IMAX cameras on the planes and, you know, a lot of practical effects. And it's just a lot of time and money went into this movie. And I feel like that is so rare nowadays that it was refreshing to see like a real movie movie, you know? 
Yeah, no, no, I do agree. Like, it was good, but yeah. it was not revolutionary by any means. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. The There was nothing surprising. I was never really surprised, but I was always engaged and excited to watch it. Exactly, yeah. 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 And I think that I'm just so sad that movies like this don't get made often. Like that's what really made me feel like more nostalgic for a type of movie, you know? Yeah. It definitely did do a really good job of capturing the vibe of those eighties, like military commercial movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it fit right in there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Tom Cruise, I just loved, love him in general. He's a weird guy in real life, but as a movie star and a movie personality, I love him. Yeah. So. They don't make him like Tom Cruise anymore. Like, I, I don't know, know if we'll see Ryan Reynolds, A, play anyone who's not himself, but right. B, like <laughs> 30 years from now, will he still, will he still be doing it like mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is? I don't know. Right. I don't yeah, and like still be doing it on this level. Like I have no idea how much this movie cost, but it it felt like every penny was on the screen. It was really yeah. impressive to see. And I also want to call out uh, Miles Teller. Mm-hmm. This is like some of the best casting I think I've ever seen, just because he really looks like he could be Anthony Edwards' kid. Yeah, thirty I didn't think years about later. It until I saw the movie, this movie, I'm like, oh yeah, that he does look the part. Yeah. And um. He's got that like cocky a-hole thing going like they all do in, in these Top Gun movies. Actually, the, the cocky guy was really good in this movie. I liked him. He was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So I hope hangman. Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah. Hangman. <laughs> well, I hope Tom Cruise lives to be 90 and keeps making all these movies the whole time. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see any uh, other theater movies? I didn't. That was the only time mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to get to see Jurassic Park Dominion, but those are just fully cartoonish at this point. And I, right. just, I, I, I think how that, ridiculous it's weird. I think that's the, like why I love Top Gun so much. Like compare that. If you saw Top Gun and Jurassic Park, Jurassic World Dominion, I'm sorry. You'll see like you can feel probably feel the difference in the type of movie, you know, mm-hmm. and the craftsmanship and the care that goes into it. No, I haven't seen Jurassic World Dominion, so I can't really comment, but I've seen the others, so I think I know what I'm I getting feel into. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I know exactly that I'm going to go into something and be like, why is any of this happening? Yeah. But still enjoy the hell out of it. <laughs> Hopefully, that's all you can ask. Yeah. Um, I got to see another movie in the theater. Well, I saw like uh, eight other movies in the theater, but I'll quickly talk about... Wow. Uh, Dave, well, I'll tell you why in a minute, but I saw Crimes of the Future, the new Cronenberg movie. Oh, I'm actually interested in seeing a Cronenberg movie. Uh, you know, considering you just watched one last episode. <laughs> Unintentionally. Yes. This is a more classic Cronenberg. It's got everything you'd want. He hasn't made a movie in a while, but this one feels like it was right in his like 80s, 90s wheelhouse. It's got, you know, so... like... What you're saying is I would be in for a lot of body horror. Yes. Yes. It's got like sexy surgery scenes and uh, weird artistic organs. And um, it's got like machines that look like bugs. Like he, uh, he does that a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
it's got Howard Shore back uh, doing the music, which is great. Howard Shore, Lord of the Rings fan fame. Um, and it's got Viggo Mortensen in a really good, like physical performance. Cause he's a character who has weird organs growing inside him. And you really believe that there's something wrong with his body, the way he carries himself, the way he talks, like when there's something in his throat, like you really like feel the way he moves his body, the way he talks. It's so physical, which is really interesting. You so really a got a thing for Vigo Mortensen's physical body. <laughs> yeah. In Cronenberg movies too. I think you're referring to uh, Eastern, Eastern Promises. Promises the naked fight scene, which is great. And I love that movie and everyone should go see it. You just wouldn't <laughs> stop talking about it for weeks until I watched it. <laughs> and it was a good fight scene, right? It, I Maybe. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember liking, I don't remember particularly liking the movie. Okay. It's a five-star movie in my opinion. No. But uh, back to Crimes of the Future. It's not, it doesn't quite have the energy or the, full budget like some of the other movies in the past have had. So it feels a little more contemplative than visceral, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it's definitely a Cronenberg movie, but it doesn't, it's not like prime Cronenberg, but the ideas it raises are super interesting. I found myself after a movie, just like, Hmm, that's a lot of stuff to think about. Very, very interesting. But I was never like super excited while watching it or like grossed out or anything like that. It was just very like intellectual and interesting, but so not great, but I did enjoy it a lot. Cool. Yeah. Good. To, always good to see Cronenberg back doing his thing. Cronin out. Cronin out. Did you watch anything at home of note before I get into my seven movie streak? I don't believe so. No. I mean, no. except for stranger things Four, which is stranger like the things best four. TV in so long. I mean, each episode has more budget than uh, Crimes of the Future, probably. I heard like $30 million, I think I read, per episode. Yeah, which is insane. Insane. Yeah. But they're they a feature length. Yeah. yeah, I think the shortest episode this season was an hour and four minutes. Oh, wow. And, uh, well, the longest episode of the season will be two and a half hours, which mm-hmm. hasn't been released yet. Um, and I think the other episode that hasn't been released yet is an hour and 25 minutes. Oh, wow. And most, most of the episodes have been like about an hour 15. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you're getting a lot of show, even though it's only eight episodes, it's probably the equivalent of like 15 to 20. That's a, it's, it, it gets me thinking about like the, the blurring the lines between movies and TV shows nowadays. Like, because I remember when David Lynch's the new the new Twin Peaks series came out, and a bunch of film critics were putting that on their best movies of the year list, and I was like, "No way, that's a TV show." <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I'm all for it. I. Mm-hmm. I would never say I'm a TV convert, but I do find that the space that uh, a TV show gives creative people, if done right, if it's the right creative people Uh is just long form storytelling that you can't do in a movie, even sometimes a series of movies. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think my main problem with TV versus movies is that the long form process, like you're talking about never 
doesn't always work for me because it feels like they're finding story where they don't have to find story, you know, they're oh, yeah. stretching I out agree. or putting climaxes or twists artificially at the end of each episode that don't, you know, don't really fit. That's just my personal opinion. That's why I don't really watch as much. No, I get it. I get it. Those are valid criticisms, but I think that comes back to what I was saying about the right creator, you know, yeah, we'll make yeah, those, that's true. even though I think that's like definitely basically TV, um, you're going to end on a cliffhanger or something at the end yes. of every episode. Yes. I think the trick is making it feel earned and warranted and not a cheap, like Dan Brown novel where <laughs> right. it's like, a non, like, yeah, it just has to feel earned. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, yeah. Um, I don't know. You're almost convincing me to watch a TV show, but it is, it is a commitment and that's the part I get. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, it could, could be, uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal story, but not everybody has 20 hours to commit to a TV show when right, that could be right. like 10 movies. So, yeah, I, I've chosen my, uh, I picked my horse basically. <laughs> so speaking of 20 hours of movies, I watched 12 hours of movies in a theater this week. So I went to the Exume Films show X-Fest and Exume Films is a group that puts on a I've talked about on this podcast before they they take 35 millimeter movies uh old movies and they kind of just program a little mini film festival mostly horror mostly genre stuff but they do a great sort of presentation pick good movies and this was their annual 12 hours of exploitation movies a lot of fun i won't go into detail on each one but i will recommend one to you that i think you'd like let me run down the list real fast real fast high risk High Risk is a men on a mission film about a bunch of like suburban guys that go into the jungle to rob a drug dealer. <laughs> and it's got <laughs> Josh Brolin's dad, James Brolin is in it. And uh, yeah, it was fun. The Ladies Club is about a bunch of women who were victimized by men who decide to get back at them and the laws that keep them doing it by uh, capturing men and castrating them. Oh. <laughs> yeah so that was that was good uh, there was kill or be killed which your type of movie a martial arts tournament movie oh perfect uh, yep uh not not from hong kong so it was from uh, like a weird american producer and has a bunch of real martial arts in it and it was goofy and strange and uh not great but fun it's kill or be killed this is the one that i would recommend to you Deadlier Than the Male, M-A-L-E. Oh. It's a James Bond ripoff about a bunch of female secret agents. They're not secret agents. They're more like the bad guys. They're assassins, essentially. And then the suave British guy who has to take them down. <laughs> but it's got its tongue. It's got its tongue firmly in cheek in this one. And it's got great, like, 60s fashion and, like, kooky... Uh, interior design and just a fun fun story fun peppy script so i enjoyed that i'm sold <laughs> and then um crimson bat the blind swordswoman which is a japanese <laughs> <laughs> a japanese swordswoman movie about a it's very melodramatic very soap opera-y about a woman who's uh you know 
uh, blind and trying to uh, make it in the world of men. And then uh, the final film was Killer's Romance. Oh, no, I skipped one. Uh, I'll talk about Killer's Romance real fast. It's a Hong Kong action movie based on a Crying Freeman, the comic book. Do you remember back in the anime days? Uh, Listeners, Eric and I were in the anime club in high school. (laughs) 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 And uh, I think we watched Crying Freeman. That's maybe in the club or maybe not. But it was a famous manga. There's there's a very good chance you did watch it and I just sat there and made fun of it the whole time and probably ruined the experience for everyone. <laughs> that was your role in the club and you know we all we all hated you for it. <laughs> yeah. But uh Killer's Romance is just a uh a action movie version of that which had some cool uh con- you know martial arts gunplay action at the end but most of the time was just drama. So it was, it was solid. Yeah, it was solid, but not great. And then the one I skipped was called High Crime, an Italian uh, Italian crime film starring Franco Nero, Django himself. And uh, he's made like 400 of these movies and that they're all entertaining. At least the ones I've seen are all entertaining. Just, you know, uh, car chases and gunfights and a lot of like over-the-top violence and drama and... I had no idea what the sto- what was happening in the story because there are so many people and conspiracies and whatever, but it was entertaining. <laughs> so yeah, those are the type of movies they play at this uh, exploitation festival, and it was a great time. I think I went to a couple um, Exhumed Films things like 20 years ago, but I don't think I ever went to any of their film festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the double features back then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did a couple double features. And they do just like a really good job of putting on shows. So I would imagine that their their whole festivals are probably the same thing. And it's probably really great. Yeah. Maybe yeah. someday I'll find out. I don't know. I don't know. You know, me and our good friend Eddie are going to the 24-hour horror-thon that they're putting on in October. We can get you a ticket. Well, I don't think I'll be able to make it. <laughs> Maybe, right. someday. Maybe someday. All right. Well, uh, that's all I saw bunch of movies except for the one that we're going to talk about on today's episode the one that we've been talking about the past two episodes that we're going to watch it was that, not worth the wait it was not worth the wait china salesman china salesman from 2017 directed by tan bing and starring um, um a bunch of uh actors no ones. From, from china and a bunch of caucasian people that can't act and Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal. Um, I want to. There's a real to... problem with your movie when Mike Tyson is probably in your top two or three most talented actors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We should get into the acting, but I want to try to at least give a sense of what this movie is about. But it was, was... about the the intrigue in the telecom industry in yes. Africa. The telecom. The, the 3G the, the, the we're, industry. <laughs> we're 2Gs ahead of where this movie started out, and it's from 2017. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's about a, a Chinese telecom company and the two people that go to, to try to put their hat in the ring to 
be the telecom provider for this country, this unnamed African country, uh, going up against like a British company and I don't know, some other company. I one of which was French, French, right? Maybe. Wasn't one guy French who's, uh, who is, uh, are we going to try to just like talk about this plot? Cause yeah, it was we definitely should. Losing and terrible. It was. So the, 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 there's an evil telecom company, or at least an evil guy working for the telecom company. <laughs> I would argue that most telecom companies are evil. <laughs> that is true. Well, not, not the, not the one from, uh, or with our hero, the China salesman, <laughs> Lee Dongju. <laughs> um, but it, it becomes this, the first part of it, becomes this like i don't know bureaucratic business outmaneuvering between the two companies like the one the the evil company doesn't want the the china salesman to be part of the bidding so they're doing all these things to undermine him i had no idea what was going on for most (laughs) of this movie Mm -hmm. i mean i was like i guess they're in a bidding war for the contract Yes. Okay. Right. That's clear. So, like I got the very broad strokes, but then I was like, but what part of that process is this? Mm-hmm. Who are these people? Why is Mike Tyson spying <laughs> on this guy, but also fighting Steven Seagal? <laughs> what is his role in this? Oh man. I, I, okay. Well, I think I know. I, I, <laughs> I, can, I can answer some of those questions. Mike Tyson is part of some, African, like an an African tribe that used to live in the area, and he's like one of the remaining people from this tribe. Now they have spread all across Africa. <laughs> yes, and that was my to... impression of Mike Tyson in this movie. Yes, trying to do. I'm, I think he's trying to do a generic African accent, like that kind of like yes. British style African accent. Mm. I don't know if there's a proper name for that, so I'm sorry if that's an offensive way to describe it. Mm-hmm. But um, but it still sounds like Mike Tyson trying to do a very bad accent. Right. Yeah. He. I could. I, that's a good point. I couldn't tell if that was just bad acting or he was also trying a bad ac- accent at the same time. <laughs> but um, yeah. So he's he's trying to uh, win the land back for his tribe, and he teams up with the evil telecom guy to spy on the China salesman in exchange for winning some of this land back at, when the deal goes through, or something like that. Yes, yes. But I'm I'm confused about how the French company is, or British company, whatever this European, because yes. this does basically devolve into like China versus the West. Yes. <laughs> um, but I was confused about how he was able to make that promise. Like, you're winning a telecom uh, contract. You're not, that doesn't make you own a bunch of land. Right. That's true. That's very, very true. I mean, you found the only plot hole with this movie. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, perfect. And then uh, Steven Seagal is just some some guy that owns like a club and also is an arms dealer. And no, was he buying <laughs> alcohol? So so Steven Seagal's first scene is with. Oh, he was buying alcohol. Yeah. In exchange it, for weapons. It's illegal. Yeah, it's illegal to drink alcohol he, in this country. It's, 
it's a wild way that his character is introduced because they do the thing where he's like in a business, like a tense, you know, black market meeting. It's clear like a sale is going down that is illegal and they open up the crate and it's a bunch of guns and weapons. And then they open up a barrel and Steven Seagal dips his hand in it and then licks his fingers. And he's like, that's good. And and I'm like, what? What? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, But yes, he, he runs an illegal club, I guess, and needs the alcohol. Yeah. And, but you have to drink. And we know this because this is, (laughs) this was the best part of the movie in my opinion. (laughs) And I think this is like 12 minutes in. Right. And that this is the highlight because he won't drink because I guess it's against his religion. Mike Mike Tyson. Yeah. Mike Tyson is there and he won't, he won't take a drink. He's like, I don't drink. (laughs) And, and they won't let him leave until he drinks. Yeah, so Steven Seagal has the bartender pee in a glass and try to feed it to Mike Tyson. (laughs) (laughs) Who, of course, will not do that. Of course not. So it starts a fight. So it starts a fight. He he beats the crap out of a bunch of people, sometimes hilariously, like a woman kicks him in the head and they they call attention to him, her kicking him in the head and it just like having no effect. Yeah, yeah. He gets like punched or kicked three times or something where... (laughs) It's they're just nothing. Right. <laughs> but then Steven Seagal has to enter the, the fray in yes. his typical like Aikido way. Um, his slap fighting technique is <laughs> still on point. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And Even they exchange... he now is a bloated tick of a human being. <laughs> bloated tick. Oh God. So they exchange blows and they Mike Tyson punches through walls and they make tables explode and like <laughs> it's pretty over the My top favorite and fun. part was uh before he was fighting Seagal when he was still fighting the minions somebody threw a whole barrel at him and he just punched it and it yes. exploded in a cloud of dust. <laughs> uh my favorite part of that whole scene is is towards the end where he's like I won't drink your pee i think this is very notable as well because this might be the only time in film history where steven seagal loses a fight did he do you think he lost the fight yeah okay i'm pretty sure that's how mike tyson ended the fight with like i won't drink pee after he like knocked uh, Steven Seagal down. Or yeah, helped. you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I was uh, misremembering. Um, yeah, you're right. Steven Seagal, even on Saturday Night Live, apparently will never lose a fight. The legendarily contentiously uh, made episode of Saturday Night Live where apparently everyone hated Steven Seagal. Who could know that this guy was a douche? Right. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. So that was the best scene of the movie. And from there, it kind of devolves into like a boilerplate uh, espionage, I don't know, action movie where I didn't really care about the other characters too much. I don't know if you had any. I didn't care about a thing. I was really confused. Like I thought I spent half the movie thinking that the blonde woman Mm -hmm. was part of one of the telecom companies. 
Uh-huh. But I guess maybe she was somehow in the government of this country. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, she was facilitating. So she the was bidding. like facilitating. They have a competition, like a Wi-Fi competition. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they were trying to prove. <laughs> right. Oh, but it shows off the skills of the of our main character, how good he is with telecom stuff that he's able to. Yeah stop the jamming of the evil team yeah the evil team is cheating by trying to jam their wi-fi so he's like no i don't he programs something and you're just like what is happening right now how is he like overcoming the jammer with some code right but he back up frequencies i think he said <laughs> yeah i uh it was so nonsensical it was very nonsensical but then he even gets more nonsensical because I don't know how the, it started with one of the generals of this African country was in a helicopter accident, which I'm unclear if that was an accident or not. I don't know. <laughs> but what, I that's a big plot point. <laughs> because all of a sudden, so Mike Tyson drives in and like blows up this building or something in the middle yeah. of the competition. Yep. And then he leaves, and I don't know if I just missed that he left and the actual army came in, because it was like he crashes through the wall in a tank or a jeep or something. Yes. And then, like, leaves, and then the good guys, I guess, who I didn't realize were good guys, crash through the same spot. (laughs) It was just like they, they switched, like, spots in a parking lot, and you're just like, what the hell? Yeah. So that that uh, helicopter crash kicked off a civil war between the good guys and the other good guys. Like they're both yeah. good guys. <laughs> like they were both in the same country and you're just like, but wait, why are you at war with each other? Because the phones are down. Yeah, it was something to do with, uh, you know, they were in a contentious peace. And then the general, I guess, was on one side. And because he died, a war could start. And the only thing that can save them is if they can talk on the phone with each other <laughs> yeah. and, make, and make things right. <laughs> yes. So that's what the movie becomes about. This weird civil war that is not the, the movie opens with like a text scrawl, I think, talking mm-hmm. about how there recently was a civil war in this country. But it doesn't it sounds like they're like, you know, reforming the country and they need to get phone service or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't sound like they ever had the cell service because what are these people bidding on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so that civil war that broke out, like, yeah, that sets up what should be the last act of the movie <laughs> where they have to get the phones working again so they can stop a war. And then, and you like know, Mike Mason is running around in his tank blowing up cell towers. Yes. And our heroes <laughs> are trying to, uh, you know, get to these cell towers and repair them in time. And the two generals are like the two heads of the, of the two civil war uh, states are like, we should fight. No, no, we should wait. Maybe they'll call us like that sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this is basically the part of the movie where it becomes just Chinese propaganda Mm -hmm. and hilariously bad Chinese propaganda. They're, they're approaching the border which is, I was so confused because I was like, were they at war? Just because like things just happen in this movie. 
Mm-hmm. And, and like you're introduced to the fact that uh, what I was getting at before was they don't mention that there's the possibility of this civil war being ongoing. It seems like the country is like the, the war is settled and they're rebuilding. But then they introduce this other civil war and you're just like, wait, who are they at war with? Not even realizing that it's the same country until right. they get to the north south border, which they mention like later on. And you're yeah. just like, oh, that's why these people were firing RPGs at a tank that they're driving down the road. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. And, and what's the like, thing that gets them through? <laughs> yes. Well, so they're like, hey, do, does anybody have a UN flag? And they're like, no. But of course, in this military vehicle, for some reason, there's a Chinese flag. Right. Wrapped, very... like, wrapped still in its protective plastic wrapping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he decides to like put this Chinese flag on a flagpole and carry it with him everywhere. But first he has to run and they're like shooting these RPGs at this tank that blows up. But of course the Chinese flag is left waving in the wind and they're like, Oh, I guess they're the good guys. Cease fire. Cease fire. Chinese flag. They're like, cease fire. Chinese flag. Good guys are here. But it's like, you were just firing on what is a tank that, you would assume is marked with your own country's like flag mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely uh, written specifically uh, for a Chinese audience. I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched a YouTube review of this movie after watching it just uh-huh. to make sure that I understood the plot because I cannot stress again, how confused I was for most of this movie. Yes. Um, And he pointed out that, the Chinese flag has more screen time in this movie than Mike Tyson or Steven Seagal <laughs> or actual actors. Oh, wow. I can see that. Cause yeah, at this point in the movie, I was like, I guess Steven Seagal's not in this movie anymore. And I will, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But uh... Spoiler alert. He was wrong. He is in this movie again. Yeah. So it's, so I, it kind of, starts moving towards a conventional climax where they just need to get the cell tower up to end the movie. And I was like, okay, this is where the movie's going, whatever. I can see on paper how this could be a good climax. If, you know, if it was well-made and had better actors and, you know, there were any stakes at all and things made sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like it has all the ingredients to kind of be a action set piece that could work. Um, I thought it was hilarious when the UN helicopter came in, Oh my God. (laughs) Like, so yeah, they're, they're trying to fix this last tower. mm -hmm. There was something about a sandstorm, maybe boosting the signal, which makes no goddamn sense. And they, and it didn't matter. (laughs) It didn't matter uh, because they get to the thing and Mike Tyson blows it up as China salesman is climbing up with holding the Chinese flag with him. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, In some of the, the most hilariously bad CGI I've ever seen. <laughs> that that tower true. collapse and the China yep. salesman falling off the tower. I swear I saw a wire on him when he fell. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was Buck Rogers, like the fifties TV show level of uh, CGI. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this helicopter starts flying around that blows up Mike Tyson's tank. And then the, the pilot lands. And the first thing he says is, we're a UN force. We can't get involved in the conflict. And I'm like, just blew up a tank. I know. That's what I was thinking too. Oh man. That, what are you I was talking thinking... about? You just involved yourself in the war. Right. 
They're like Gandalf's eagles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're like, you could be doing all these things and you do help us, but only when it's convenient. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then they take this helicopter up and use it as a cell tower is what I yeah. got out of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and of course they, they broker the peace through, you know, the glories of China DH telecom. Yes, they do. And it was uh, a thrilling climax and the movie was over. <laughs> yes. My favorite part. Uh, I don't think we mentioned this. The fact that they are speaking English through large portions of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it is dubbed over with the same yeah. the same words though yeah like, yeah like so they didn't... change the dialogue it is just and it's out of sync mm-hmm. and i thought like i paused this movie maybe this is a problem with me not understanding the movie too because <laughs> i kept like thinking my amazon prime is messed up and like <laughs> going out and then pressing play again because i just assumed the picture was out of sync and it mm-hmm. was like a connection issue or a weird glitch. No, yeah. that's just the way the movie is apparently. Yeah. It was so weird to see like Mike Tyson dubbing himself in that weird voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't, was weren't able to afford to record sound live. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, but it was like perplexing. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately the movie was not over because yeah. there's a whole, and, you know, it, we're making this sound so bad. And it was, this might literally be the worst movie I've ever seen, but to this point, it was only an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. If it was that, it was that movie, 80 minutes, it wouldn't have been as bad, but it goes on to have a whole 40 minute third act, which is unrelated to what happened previously. It's, it's just about, I completely forget. It's about the, uh, This movie reminds me of Phantom Menace, where you're reading the text scroll, like the Star Wars first movie, and you're like, wait, this is a trade dispute? What happened to Star Wars? This is like an action movie that is made about the two most boring things I can think of. Mm -hmm. Telecommunications and legal disputes. Yes. Because the second half or the, the final third of this movie is about the evil telecom company suing uh, the DH uh, wait, China DH telecommunications. Oh yes. Because they, they allegedly stole the technology from them, which is like really easy. And their evidence is look, our chips are in their motherboards or whatever. They they physically show them the the hardware with the chips. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Intel suing Dell because no, this is our computer. You used our microchip. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, and of course it's a, it's not, uh, accurate because our hero would never do, uh, anything wrong. (laughs) And the, that part of the movie is just him proving, um, that the telecom company is evil and, uh, gets captured by them at some point. Because Mike Tyson's now working for them again. Yeah, yeah again, like, yeah. is this a continuation of his contract? Is this a new contract? Because right. first he was just spying on the Chinese guy, and now he is, like, beating him up and helping basically torture and interrogate information out of him. Right, right. Which, I don't even remember what the information that the French guy wanted was. He wanted the code. Into, like... <laughs> 
the the confrontation the code for what though i'm like what what i don't know some code what is this program they keep talking about a program and taking a second off the connection and i'm like what does that mean (laughs) right right (laughs) they did mention that that would allow people to fire missiles quicker than their enemies at some point they oh is that that, what is that what because i was like what are we taking a second off of? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, he was going to, the bad telecom guy was not spoiler, not really working for the telecom group. He was going to use that to become some uh, international arms dealer and become rich. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think they also mentioned like, with a scene with Mike Tyson in the bathroom, they staged him getting beat up or something at one point. Mm-hmm. I think when Mike Tyson first invaded the competition. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, that's true. And he talks about like somehow they'll have control over mineral rights or something in this country. Yes. And I'm like, why would winning a telecom, how would that give you mineral rights? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe this is a, uh, a, a telecom industry commercial <laughs> how powerful yeah, telecom was, is this movie was like those joke was something lost in translation mm-hmm. like between the script that they wrote in chinese and then did they feed it through google translate and end up with those like really weird translations like the famous signs you'll see in the chinese grocery that's like a literal translation for mm-hmm. english people you know what i mean yeah yes like what? I, <sighs> That's a very good description of this plot. <laughs> and then, you know, our friend Steven Seagal comes back in that last act to do nothing. He's just like on the, the bad guy calls him up and says, I hired you to do this thing. I don't even remember what it was. And Steven Seagal's like, oh, to get the code. And Steven, Steven Seagal's Se- basically like, no means no. No means no. I'm not going to get the code. I am a good guy or whatever. And then that's it. That's it, right? Yes. <laughs> That's it for him. He's not, that, that in was movie. not in the movie anymore. But uh, Mike Tyson does continue to be in the movie. and He's the MVP. Switches, he's the MVP. Switches sides at the end to take out the big bad guy in a hilarious way. <laughs> where he uh, straps him uh, into these explosives and blows him up. On <laughs> yeah there's like an award ceremony for the telecom contract thing yeah. mm-hmm. but it's some other white guy yeah another company he was, he was the head of another company he was the head, the head of another strange. company but he is announcing the winner of the which is not his company and you're just right. like why we do have to i want to go back one one second to one yeah. thing the confrontation between the evil French guy and the China salesman, and they just call him that for most of the movie, even though he does have a name. Yes. Um, was so ludicrous, ludicrously hilarious of like basically the China guy pointing out everything wrong with like Western culture. Yes. <laughs> and, and at one point he's like, Ooh, is slavery part of your culture? Like the China salesman to the, mm-hmm. and it's just like, what? Mm-hmm. Why, yeah. why is, what is this <laughs> yes and he was talking about how great uh things are great everything is in china and yeah. how the west is like the root of all evil basically yep he's like when china visited uh this country hundreds of years ago we 
made friends and brought peace. And then we left on good terms. That was basically <laughs> what he said. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Great scene. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, after that bad guy blows up and Mike Tyson kind of uh, sacrifices himself to destroy the bad guy. Uh, I, th- I Mike think. Tyson commits suicide on stage. Yeah. <laughs> he shoots himself in the head and then a bunch of people rush up and start checking his pulse. <laughs> just like, I'm like, there is a hole in his head. <laughs> right. Maybe put your, maybe plug that up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. And then that's basically the end of the movie besides some hilarious postscript text about the power of how 3G has brought peace to the world, basically, right? It was Yeah, and but the movie actually ends with Mike Tyson committing suicide and then the China salesman getting arrested for something. Oh yeah, he gets arrested, yeah. And then and then it, it ends with a text screen like after he gets arrested, it's like he was released a couple days later. And then, yeah, yeah 3G saved the world. You're welcome right. from China. Yes, China. Global leader in 3G. <laughs> 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 oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, this movie was. So that's kind of a, a genre of Chinese propaganda that has uh, American actors for star power in them. And this was like a really low budget example of that. <laughs> I think, uh, according to IMDb, because I looked it up, the budget was twenty million, and it made one point five million U.S. Oh God! Hopefully, well, you know what? It probably did its job in China. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, this I so I know you were mad at me all week for making you watch this. <laughs> it was the worst movie I've ever seen, and I spent eight dollars on it. Oh my God! It was free. <laughs> Where? How? On Tubi. <laughs> to be. it's on our spreadsheet man every movie's free <laughs> well whatever i was i i couldn't watch it <laughs> i tried you spent eight dollars i'm so sorry <laughs> i tried tuesday and it was like four dollars on amazon and i was like okay whatever and i tried and i watched like the first half hour and i was gonna claw my eyes out <laughs> so i stopped and then i I couldn't make myself do it again on Wednesday. So I, I got home from work on Wednesday and I was like in my chair and I almost started to cry. Oh my God. Oh. So my, my Amazon 48 hour lease was up and I had to rewatch it. I'm so sorry. I really do feel bad. I, so I saw this, I heard of this on the YouTube show Stuntmen React, where they um, they have some real Hollywood stuntmen on to talk about action scenes from other movies. It's a great little show. And they talked about the China salesman fight. And, you know, they talk about bad fights a lot and why it's bad. And it was just so much fun to see them talk about it. I'm like, I got to watch this movie. That's why I put it on the list. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that part was great. Yep. But the the thing with this movie is it was so bad that it wasn't even I love bad movies. Mm-hmm. But this was so bad it wasn't even entertaining. It was just confusing and annoying and like the things that I laughed out loud at 
were so few and far between and everything else was so confusing and bad that Mm -hmm. it wasn't even worth those moments. Some of which were genuinely funny. Like Mm -hmm. if someone put up a cut up or if I could make a cut up of this movie, there are probably about 15 to 20 minutes of hilarious things that happen in this movie. Yes. Yes. But it's just like a moment. And then there's 10 minutes of nonsense for 30 seconds of joy. Agreed. Yeah. You need a supercut instead of an hour and 50 minute movie <laughs> an hour and 50 minutes this was a yeah. marvel length movie mm-hmm. short marvel but marvel length for a plot that was half an hour worth of things happened right or a lot of things happened but like they were all boring yeah and it really annoyed me and honestly pissed me off that it didn't end at that climax with the <laughs> helicopter because <laughs> i was like all right that was bad but it wasn't oh wait there's 30, 40 there minutes 40 left. Minutes left. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I was kind of hoping they just had the credits in like five different languages or something. Right, right. A lot of long credits. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I apologize for you That's having okay. to watch this, but I'm glad that we both watched it together. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you for for whatever that was. You're welcome. Well, as uh, is the uh, the uh, goal behind this podcast, we watch something and then we each watch something inspired by that. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk quickly about what I watched and why I watched it. I went the route of old 80s action star in a modern movie. And I watched Ooh. a Dolph Lundgren movie from 2021 called Castle Falls. Castle Falls is another like cheapo action film direct to video story. And it also stars Scott Atkins. I don't know if you know him, but he's like a low budget like action star. I think um I think I watched a YouTube show that might be those stuntmen yeah. or something similar about a fight scene that he was in. Yeah, and he's he's a good more like artist. Action movie. Yeah, something he's like that. He's a charismatic guy. And um so this movie is a great setup. It's about there's a uh, $3 million that was stolen by a criminal and is hidden in this hospital and the hospital is being demolished. And Scott Atkins is the down on his luck ex MMA fighter. Who's got this temp job helping demolish this hospital. And uh, Dolph Lundgren, who also directed the movie is a prison. Man. Yeah. He's a prison guard who gets a tip. Uh, his daughter is dying of cancer. He really needs this money. You actually see him cry and get very emotional in this movie. And you know, the whole the whole opening is setting up these two characters and like why they, you know, are good people and need money. Anyway, he's a he gets a tip from one of his prisoners that the money's here at this hospital, and he's like, okay, this is my last chance to get the money for my daughter's surgery. Uh, but the hospitals can be demolished, like literally in. A couple hours. Scott Atkins is one of the last people in the last crew working there, and he finds the money. And he's like, "Oh my God, there's three million dollars in this, you know, hidden in this wall." He puts it back. He leaves with his crew, and then his plan is to sneak in and get it, get it before the hospital blows up. Dolph Lundgren, his plan is to sneak in and get the money before the hospital blows up. And then also the criminals whose money it originally was, their plan is to get into the hospital and kill anybody who is getting the money and then get out. 
before it blows up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, you got Scott Atkins, great martial artist, Dolph Lundgren, still got it. He's still got, you know, I think he's grown into his screen presence a little more than, uh, you know, he's great in Rocky Four, where he was like this unstoppable robotic monster. Yeah. yeah. And then after that, I think he, they, you know, he, his acting skills weren't quite up to what he was asked to do in some of his later movies, but now he's, you know, he's got a good grasp on the English language. He's been in enough movies that he knows his limitations and he, uh, yeah, he, him and Scott Atkins, you know, they meet up and at first they're enemies and they, you know, get in some tussles, but then they have to team up to get out alive before all these guys with guns shoot them and kill them. And the hospital blows up on top of all of them. So solid little uh, setup, <clears throat> solid action movie, low budget. It was shot in like 17 days, I read, uh, wow. during, the, during the pandemic. Like, and it only has like 10 people in it, like 10 actors. And, uh, but good martial arts fights. Dolph Lundgren shoots them well. You know, he keeps the camera still and far back enough so you know where everything is. And uh, there's not much flash like there's no big giant action set pieces but mm -hmm. i care i cared about everybody i wanted to see the good guys get the money and get out of there i wanted to see the bad guys get thrown down elevator shafts and things like that <laughs> <laughs> you know it's fun stuff and it's also only 89 minutes so you can't go wrong wow. with the with the little you know solid little action film castle Don't falls i'll have to check that out dolph lundgren is a really really fascinating person mm -hmm. like I'd love to read an actual biography if there is one from him because he's like a certifiable genius. I believe he has a master's in like chemical engineering or yeah, something. I from, heard that too. Yeah. Yeah. From MIT, I think. Oh, wow. Um, like just an incredibly smart guy who kind of like fell into acting because he had a certain aesthetic and mm -hmm. needed Russians because it was the eighties and the cold war. And of course right. he got a lot of work, like just being the Russian nemesis. Yeah. yeah. Most notably in Rocky four, but I believe like he played a Spetsnaz character in another movie. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, he just like basically made a career that he kind of fell backwards into. Yeah. From, yeah. you know, chemical engineering or whatever, whatever uh, master's engineering program he has a degree in. Yeah. The, if you ever do read up more information, let me know. Cause I, I do. I like him. He seems like a nice guy. He's got a good screen presence. He directed this movie and yeah, he did a good job. So actually there's a, uh, there's a joke and I think expendables too where somebody makes fun of him because he's like trying to make a bomb and they're like, what do you know about chemistry or something? Oh, like that? <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Probably went over the heads of a lot of Expendables 2 fans. <laughs> of which there are many. Yes. <laughs> so wow. yeah, yeah, that's a, that was a good one. How about your choice? I went the other direction. I needed to see a good action movie by someone who was in this so of course i went with steven seagal's under siege which oh. also fits into like the propaganda slash military movies uh or military commercials disguised as movies genre oh that's true that's true bring it back to top gun yeah um this is such a fun movie and i forgot how many people were in this cast who were like 90s especially at that point in the 90s i think this was 91 or 92 
Um, so Steven Seagal, Gary Busey, just Buseying it up as a naval commander. Uh, Bernie Casey was in it. I totally forgot he was in it. Tommy Lee Jones. Um, there's Calm Meany. Oh, wow. And it is just, have you ever seen this movie? No, I saw the second one in the theater with my grandfather. And all I remember was that there was boobs in it because I was really young at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, boobs. <laughs> in fairness, you still say that sometimes. <laughs> right. Uh, what a wholesome family memory. Yes. Um, well, this one is very much the same thing. It is your kind of movie. Because it's a person trapped in a place. And that person is Casey Ryback, who is a cook on the ship. But for some reason has like, it's hinted at that his background is not what it seems even before anything else in this movie happens. Um, And as it turns out, Commander Krill, played by Gary Busey expertly, um, is going to betray the United States and take control of this ship, which is about to be decommissioned, Mm -hmm. but it's still got like 28 Tomahawk missiles with nuclear warheads. Mm -hmm. So it is very much like, I thought it was the proto the rock movie, right? Because it's these military people betraying the government and taking over this ship. It's Alcatraz. It's just like the same thing only on a boat. But the big difference is these people are psychopaths and they lean into being like socio psychopaths. Tommy Lee Jones is a former CIA agent. I think it's never really clearly explained some kind of black ops agent who the government decided to kill for reasons Mm -hmm. and it backfired. And now, yeah. And now they are trying to offload these weapons onto a submarine after killing like a bunch of people staging a party and then just like ambushing this ship. Mm-hmm. And of course the only person who's not at this party is Casey Rybeck because he was locked in a fridge. And it turns <laughs> out that Casey Rybeck is a former seal. So of course he, along with Erica Aleniak, who is a model that was supposed to jump out of a cake, but then got motion sickness. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a great plot point. I love that. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense when you think about it because they were bringing all these people in, um, flying them in on helicopters under the guise of being a birthday party for the commander. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a band and there's all the caterers and all these people, and those are just the mercenaries or whatever. Yeah. But why did they bring her? Hmm. Well, maybe they needed the- entertainment <laughs> during their victory party, you know, make her jump out of a cake for them. <laughs> I guess, but it it was clearly like someone that was there just because. Yeah, yeah, they needed the the girl. Yeah, the guy, uh, the Gary Busey character was the one arranging all these plans. And then you realize at some point, like, well, they didn't have to hire a stripper. She's just someone extra to be in the way. And she's a Playboy model. So, Mm -hmm. like, you're just calling attention to your whole operation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, logic, you know, don't apply it. (laughs) It was so fun. It was, there's something about Steven Seagal where even if he is basically just rapidly slapping people, (laughs) 
that it's just entertaining to watch. It looks rehearsed. I would say he's in that middle tier of like action movie heroes that existed at that time. Right. Um, or like the middle type, because there were the, the larger than life, the Dolph Lundgren's Arnold Schwarzenegger's like superhuman beings. Stallone's characters were basically like that. Yes. And then there was the other end of the spectrum, which was just becoming a thing with like Bruce Willis and maybe like Danny Glover Mm -hmm. or just like normal dudes. Like right, your right. friend's dad who just happens to be in an action movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then there were like the Jean-Claude Van Dams and the Steven Seagals who still seem like there's a superhuman element to them, but they could still be your dad, like mm-hmm. your friend's dad who just like mm-hmm. is a D one athlete or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, this was uh, supposed to be like one of his best or at least his most entertaining. His biggest it was ones. really, really fun. And it was just, you know, he's on a boat and you trapped the wrong guy. <laughs> okay. And he's just like hunting down these special forces agents and killing them right. in some pretty entertaining way sometimes. Yeah, I'm gonna, I always wanted to watch this one because I, I, the second one I remember it was fun uh, when I was 14 or whatever. And uh, <laughs> this one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it has Gary Busey. I, I like Gary Busey in the 1990s because he was great in Point Break. So I'd like to see him in his prime. There's a scene where he is dressed up in drag and there are just like so many transphobic, like 90s remarks. It is great. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man. Yep. 90s. <laughs> it was just like a, sometimes you see something and you're like, oh, God they would rightfully so never put this in a movie today or not yeah. frame it this way. Like how far we've come and depressingly how far we still have to go. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you watched something better than China salesman. Well, we're not I like was, that was hard. <laughs> I was thoroughly entertained and it okay. made me want to watch, like I might be going on a little bit of a Seagal spiral. Ah, Seagal Spiral. It made, I like it. Maybe you want to watch um, the ones I really remember liking as a kid: Hard to Kill, Marked for Death, mm-hmm. Above the Law. Right, right. I almost watched accidentally Beyond the Law for this, not, not realizing. <laughs> yes, well, it's another. I think it's a very recent Steven Seagal movie. Oh yeah, not the recent ones. Stay away. So, yeah. <laughs> I just noticed that he looked like a bloated tick. Yep. The, the, the uh, tick era of Steven Seagal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. All right. Well, hopefully next week we'll uh, talk about more Steven Seagal episodes. (laughs) Yes. But uh, we still have to pick a movie for next week for next episode. Um, So we have our list of 20 movies here. Do you, uh, would you like to roll a D20? or absolutely i think you owe me after last time all right this is your fault whatever happens oh no this is too much pressure let's see (laughs) 11 11 is vibes vibes from uh 1988 starring jeff goldblum and cindy lopper oh this has to be good yeah this is one i've always wanted to watch so i'm excited about this Directed by Ken Quapis. Why do I know that name? Um, I don't know. Probably the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I know you love that movie. (laughs) It could be he's just not that into you. Right. Or Dunstan checks in. (laughs) Oh, well, this this one looks promising. It's a, you know, 
Indiana Jones style romp with uh, that cast. So should be fun. It should be. All right. So we will uh, reconvene in two weeks, having watched Vibes and then something else inspired by it. All right. Is there anything else you're excited about, Eric, before we wrap up? Um, no, I don't think I can think of anything really exciting besides Jurassic World Dominion mm-hmm. and seeing how that franchise devolves and um, watching anything with Cindy Lauper in it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we'll, we'll end it on that note. Everyone, thank you for listening. Again, I am Patrick. You can follow me on Letterboxd under Long Monkey. Check out my other projects at proleary.com. Eric, anything to play? I am Eric, and uh, don't worry about following me. I'll probably just follow you. (laughs) All right. I'll see everybody in two weeks. In the meantime, have a good night and sweet dreams. I'll be watching.